Hi, and welcome to the Fearless Podcast with Tracy Eckert, the show where we discuss kingdom truths to fast track you into a fearless life. Hey, welcome to my Fearless Podcast. I have my friend Matthew Esquivel with us today. Hello. Really excited about this subject we're going to be talking about revival. Revival Your is my favorite subject. <laughs> you love revival. Oh my gosh, yeah, and who wouldn't, you know? I mean, when a flood of the Holy Spirit breaks in, I yeah. mean, everybody's having a party. Um, <laughs> You're the gift of fun. Fun's your middle name. Fun is my So when revival name. comes, it's like everything God's made you to do is being fulfilled in that it moment. Is. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's like when everything that I love kind of comes crashing in together yeah. and I'm, you know, and it's an explosion of, of life and freedom and love and who wouldn't love it? All right, so today, um, okay, let me tell you a little bit about Matthew. Um, Matthew and I have been doing ministry together now for about 15 years? Yeah. Yeah, we met 15 years ago, okay. and we started really active in ministry um, probably 13 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. We uh-huh. actually kind of met through a semi-outpouring uh, that happened that was crazy. You know, the Holy Spirit just really showed up in power, and and at the place that we were at, everybody yeah, just yeah, crying. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's when we really—that was a shift, 2008. Yeah. I was in campus ministry, and uh, we had a we had a regional conference down in Austin, and yeah. Tracy was invited to speak. And I didn't even know how they knew Tracy. I yeah. met her a couple, came to her house. They did meetings, they did prayer and worship meetings. I knew they were really prophetic. I was scared that the secrets of my heart would be revealed, and I would <laughs> fall on my face. <laughs> you know? But um, but no, they came in 2008. John and Tracy, Tracy preached on prayer, on knowing Jesus, and on the return of the Lord. And I mean, just so many people's hearts. Were gripped, yeah, and that's really what after after our lunch conversation with about thirty people gathered around Tracy, asking her about prayer and her her wild life and God, um, we uh, we had coffee a couple mm-hmm. weeks later, and I just I was it was mother and son, you know, yeah. she yeah, adopted it was immediately, me, <laughs> she, immediate had, she adopted me into the family, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, show me the way yeah. of the Jedi yes. or the way of the kingdom. Yeah, that's basically. <laughs> so it was really a lot of fun. And um, but today, um, you are you have a young family, mm-hmm. um, a beautiful daughter, yeah, Eleanor. Yeah, ten months old. Ten yeah, months old. Mm-hmm. so cute. And mm-hmm. and um, and you are a PhD student at SMU. Right. In and you're studying church history. Right, now, right. what are you writing your thesis on? Well, so I'm focusing on early Christianity and I'm working on martyrdom in the fourth century, how that a particular guy, Augustine of Hippo, he's a famous church father, and uh, how he conceived of martyrdom and the honoring of the martyrs, which was very common in the liturgy of the church in, in North Africa, where he, was a, where he was a pastor. Now, one of the reasons mm-hmm. I love having you on is, first of all, you're such a smarty. You're really fun. That's why I like being with you. <laughs> He's got such a great brain. Um, and so, uh, you know, I love talking about something about revive, about revival, but not just about revival, but the history of revival, um, the truth about revival, mm-hmm. and that um, revival isn't just a feeling. Right. It's not just, an, uh, uh, you know, how we come into the presence of the Lord and we feel him but um, so I want to go into that a little bit more um, can you tell me about 
uh, really the truth of what revival is. What revival is, yeah, I think that's, I mean, a lot of people have different definitions of it, but um, I think just some basic elements of what do we mean when we say revival um, is that we mean, I mean, the word revive means to bring back to life, you know, literally what, what the definition is. And so I think when it comes to, when we talk about revival, it's when the Holy Spirit is moving in a, in a powerful, direct, immediate way upon the church, upon the body of Christ. This could be local, this could be, um, this could be uh, uh, global, but um, where, where the church in that region is, is coming back to life, where they're remembering the heart of Christianity. And so another uh, word that's popular. Uh, I love that, the mm -hmm. heart of Christianity. Exactly. The exactly. heart of Christianity is Christ. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's exalting Christ, it's praising Christ, it's teaching and preaching Christ, but it's also the experience of Christ in our hearts. You know, Ephesians 1.17 this, that God would grant to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the, no, in the knowledge of God. And that's knowledge where it's a gnosko, an intimate knowing, an experiential knowledge of who Jesus is. And so that's, that's what I think God wants his church to get into because we can get into the rote church activity, ritual, things like that, um, and, um, and complacency, lukewarmness. Right. And so in revival, well, God... Well, and not only that, but we can get into, additionally, we can get into the law. Exactly. And we start exactly. building, like, all of these structures in the church because the presence of God isn't there. So we, in our own humanity and our own thinking, we start to create a, a religion-based experience instead of a presence-based experience. Right, right. You know, Jesus confronted this. He told the Pharisees, you know, you exchange the commandment of God for the tradition of men. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and tradition and structure is helpful. I mean, there are certain traditions we want to keep doing. Jesus. Right. There needs to be order. Right. Wants to be ordered. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, let everything be done in an orderly manner. You know, but the sometimes we get so focused on the orderly that we don't get it done. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> we, how do you marry the mm -hmm. this this outpouring this beautiful mm -hmm. outpouring and we're going to talk about this mm -hmm. that is so dynamic and overwhelming with order so that you don't quench the spirit but that you can help uh connect to the greatest amount of people with the greatest amount of fruitfulness right so you right, want right. to you want to partner with the the Lord of hosts, you want to partner with the Spirit, but you don't want to try to control the Spirit. And so there's just, we want to talk about that. In fact, um, there's going to be a part one, which we're doing right now, and then we're going to roll into a part two of of this series. Right. Um, because it's so important that we that we talk all the way through. And so I want to, I want to focus on the first part. I really okay. want to focus on um, about what is revival, and then I want to talk about some of the biblical revivals and, and the common threads within those biblical revivals That's great. today. That's great. Um, okay, so let's talk about awakening. What happens during awakening? Because awakening and the, the, the verbiage of, of, of revival and awakening is basically the same. Right, right. I use them, I would personally use them interchangeably. Mm -hmm. um, that, I mean, it, again, let's look at what the awakening, wake up. <laughs> Jesus, um, Jesus told the church in Sardis in Revelation chapter 3, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. And, and I mean, 
that's like that's very alarming to hear. You're, you're, you've got a reputation of being a lively, active church, but you're dead on the inside. And he told them, he said, wake up, yeah. <laughs> wake up. And so with awakening, it's waking up to what Jesus, what matters to Jesus. Yeah. It's a purity of heart, a holiness of heart, yeah. a walking in the first and, and second commandment, loving God, loving neighbor. But it's also a, a, um, a, a radical obedience and love of God. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's an affection-based obedience. It's where we, we, now there's definitely fear of the Lord that comes in that drives us to obey God. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's beyond the feeling of, 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 of affection, but it's that love of God that compels us. Mm -hmm. The love of Christ compels us to obey. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to draw us into. Um, and so um, obedience to what Jesus says is very key to him. So we can, we can have a, 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 a lively church environment um, with, 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 with exciting worship, exciting feelings and stuff going on. But if we're not getting to the basics of, here's a, the Sermon on the Mount living that Jesus called us to. Right. Um, that's holiness. A, that's a holiness of heart. Yeah. Um, I love John Wesley. He talks about that. Um, holiness of heart is so key. And, and, and holy, that doesn't just mean external actions. Right. That means my heart is surrendered to Jesus, and I am giving the Holy Spirit freedom to convict me of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Right. And then, so it's not, mm. it's not the list of don'ts. Right, exactly. It is, it is a heart that has been, right. that is in love. Right, exactly. It's the Song of Songs, the Shulamite yeah. woman that says, I am, she came up out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved. Yeah. And that flame of love was set on her heart. That's, um, so God, he's, when he awakens his church, he's awakening them out of lukewarmness. Because the church in Laodicea, again, That's was another example. Revelation chapter 3, again, I know your works, <laughs> you, know, um, you, you, you think you have need of nothing, right. um, but you are miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Yeah, and I think so, he may be talking to the mega church experience that we're all seeing, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. this massive amounts of programs, and which are good, right, but, right, right. you know, I mean, there's, and I don't want to, I don't want to throw that under the bus, but they've got all this money. And they've got all of this stature, and they've got, but big doesn't necessarily mean better. Right, right. And I think that's important. I, I think that there are mega churches out there that are really going after it. Yeah. And that are, you know, they've got structure, they've got programs, but the, the heart has, has remained. Right. And so, and, but, but what I think is important is that um, bigger and big reputation doesn't mean alive. Church in Sardis is the perfect right. example. Laodicea is the perfect example. Right. It was a rich church, a wealthy church with a great reputation, but with serious heart issues. That right. Jesus said, buy from me. Buy from me gold yeah. refined in the fire. And so, um, so, and I just love that Laodicea is just a great, what does a revived or awakened church look like? Mm -hmm. I think, what does Jesus promise to Laodicea? Um, a, um, a dining with them. A communing with them, mm -hmm. you know. I will. Um, uh, 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 um, I, if anyone, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him. And right. so, this deep life of communion with God personally, but also corporately, um, that we can enjoy with Jesus. And, and well, again, and that, and mm -hmm. that. Um, sorry to interrupt. That fruitfulness and the and what comes out of that right. kind of communing with God is exactly what He's right. speaking of. He's saying. This you will have the gold right. and the wealth and the and the life exactly. that is a refined gold type of life. Right. 
and and that's the true right. riches. And it and it will it will have natural implications. It will heal marriages. It yep. will heal brokenness of heart, father right. wounds, issues, right. restore relationships. Right, and create freedom. I mean, right. the captives will be set right. free. There's nothing like a life of freedom. And so right. the, the benefits of this kind of revival, and it will impact society. Exactly. So there should be mm-hmm. societal transformation right. connected to a, a true revival. Right, right. And the first great awakening, for example, under Jonathan Edwards, you know, you, people, they stopped going to gambling and, and bars and things like that, and just right. a lot of a lot of stuff was going on there. Lots of uh, immorality, and um, he just notes in his faithful narrative of of this great awakening that happened in New England in the 1700s. It's just like people are in going from house to house. They're talking about Jesus. They're breaking bread together, right. and they're turning. They're, they're, there's a real conviction of sin and a real turning of their hearts to God and a joy that they're experiencing mm-hmm. in communing with the Lord. So it's so it's. Um, and it's, we see the same thing in, in Scripture as well. That's so good. All right, well, let's talk about, let's move on and let's mm-hmm. talk about some of the biblical revivals. Right, right. So you have, mm-hmm. you have some of the, some uh, that we know of that you mm-hmm. can point to and say, oh, this is obvious. But there's some that are not as obvious that you, that you have in your notes. Right, well, you know, in ancient Israel, there were, there were a number of revivals. You had mm-hmm. King Asa, King Hezekiah. Um, there was, I mean, Israel had gotten into all kinds of idolatry. I mean, from like day one of crossing the Red Sea, you know, right. <laughs> Moses disappears, and uh, and then they're they're building the the golden calf, and so that was just embedded into Israel's history. But then under King Asa, you see all these reforms where, hey, we're and a prophet comes in <laughs> and says, remove all of the idols of the land, right. and he starts tearing down these high places. I mean, it's just and worship is restored. Same thing under King Hezekiah. They renovate the temple. Um, uh, uh, jo- Josiah, another example. Right. Um, Josiah, they they find the book of the law all and dusty say, in the back corner, like we should do this. <laughs> yeah, we should do this. <laughs> Tears down the high places and then starts the and then has the priests and, and they they all begin to teach. Restores the priesthood. Yeah. Restores the teaching of the word of God, and um, and and turns the hearts of the people back to the worship of the one true God. Now, I mean, mm-hmm. isn't it true that you can look mm-hmm. through? the history of humanity mm-hmm. and you can see where God blesses them right. and generationally they are under the blessings and the abundance of God's blessings right. and and then you see a downturn. Right. It's almost like they can't sustain it and, they, and then they start making it about them right, and right. then they start so what you happened know, with King Solomon? Yeah, I mean, King humanism Solomon, exactly. comes in. Right, and, and just in and, and, and a worship of things. Right. You know, God wants us to be blessed, but it's just, it's so important that we learn how to steward this, when I say outpouring, I mean outpouring a blessing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Solomon was probably richest man in history, <laughs> um, and, um, but his heart turned away yep. into idolatry, and so that's, and then there was a whole downturn and a split. Right, of the kingdom of Israel. and you can see that in mm. in just the history of God's people, where they do this. Right, right, right. They do good, you know. Uh, they they'll get to the bottom, idolatry. God will discipline them. Right, and then they cry out. Right, and God restores the them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then they get into idolatry again, and then they cry. You know, God disciplines them. They cry right, out. Right, I think we've seen the same thing in revival history. We yeah. see these moves of God. Throughout, all throughout history, 
the, the church starts getting lukewarm. The church starts losing its focus. It starts worshiping the traditions of men or false gods. And God will, will stir up a movement mm -hmm. of people that are calling us back to our first love and um, pour out his presence. And then the flesh gets in. Then yeah. exalting self of, of pride, of, of, of self-promotion, all of these things get tangled up in there. But um, I believe that God, I believe his heart for us is to live in that awakened state where Jesus is the focus and the center at all times. Yeah. And, um, That's and, good. Uh, all right, well, tell me about um, mm. Haggai and Zechariah, because this is where I came These are out. your favorites. These yeah. are my favorites. <laughs> you wrote on this. I did write on this. And God's in God's, Time Temple. God's in Time Temple, available on Amazon. Yeah, available on Amazon. <laughs> right. And TracyEckert.com. Please right. help me get these right. out of my garage. Yes. <laughs> so Haggai and Zechariah, this is, this is an example where the prophetic was very important in... Um, in stirring the hearts of the people to be revived. And mm -hmm. so all the Israelites have come out of Babylon, not all of them, actually a very small number. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the remnant came out of Babylon, came back to Jerusalem, were rebuilding the altar, yep. but then they got intimidated and, um, and they stopped for like 14 years. And then Haggai and Zechariah come in um, and I mean, this is like, it was outlawed for them to rebuild the temple. Yep. Um, and so they've got, a, they've got a legal mandate against them. but. Haggai and Zechariah come in, and they what they don't say is, you know, let's you know wait for the king to you know right. give us a legal requirement that you can start worshiping. He says, no, now's the time to build the house of the Lord, finish the work that you started. Right. He stirs up Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and Joshua the high priest, and they get back to business. They build the temple of the Lord, and they restore that place of worship back yeah. to God. You know, it's very interesting mm -hmm. how the the role of the prophetic right. in each one of the revivals and how the prophetic, what it does is it initiates God's rebirth or mm -hmm. rebuilding. Mm -hmm. And the rebuilding, um, when the prophet speaks, it actually encourages the heart of the people right. so that they'll have the courage, encourage, they'll have the courage to step out. And he said, I will be with you. Right. I will be with you as I have been with you and others all along. I'm going to be with you in this rebuilding because you're going against the cultural norms. Right, right. And you're pressing up against mm. something that is not God. And right. so it, there's a, an intimidation that comes upon God's people saying, no, you can't have this. <clears throat> mm -hmm. It's illegal or... Um, no, the, nobody wants it. Right, or the ridicule that comes with it, or you're being too radical, you're like getting out of balance here, yeah, you're getting yeah. enthusiastic, which, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll speak to all that. Um, but then, of course, in the New Testament, you've got um, John the Baptist. I mean, thousands are following this guy that eats, you know, locusts and honey and maybe doesn't bathe, I don't know. You know, he baptized a lot of people, so maybe he took a quick bath, you know, in between. But um, um, he... Uh, People's hearts are turning. They're saying, what do I do? How does this practically impact my life? Yeah. And he's telling tax collectors, like, don't take too much, you know? <laughs> he's right, and so there was, a, there was a presence of God on him. He was anointed yeah. in the spirit of Elijah right, right. to begin to turn the hearts of the people back right, to right. God. And what's interesting about that particular revival is there's no documented miracle that's going on. Yeah, he Baptist, really wasn't know, until, prophesying exactly. in a typical he, sense right. that you would see historical prophets prophesying. Right. He was, the people considered him a prophet. He prophesied in the sense that he said, repent, the repent, um, prepare the way, prepare the way, 
the axe is at the root, <laughs> you know. He is coming with his winnowing fork and he says, and what his biggest and most important prophecy I think was, was I baptize you with water, but there's one coming, the thongs of whose sandals I'm unworthy to untie, who right. will baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire, and that's Jesus. Yeah. And when he baptized Jesus, that is the first account of a miracle happening under John the Baptist's ministry with heaven split open, the, the voice of God down. comes, Holy Spirit mm -hmm. comes down as a dove. And I mean, I think John the Baptist is even like, I'm done. It's yeah. about him now. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is another important of revival is when the Lord is highlighting, and this is, I mean, this was, this particular instance is about Jesus, but sometimes in revival, you've got one guy who's kind of got the platform for a while, mm -hmm. but the Holy Spirit will start resting on somebody else yeah. and say, it's time for them to come up. And it takes, John the Baptist was, had wisdom and to go low right. and say, it's time for me to decrease and him to increase. Right, so mm -hmm. it's really not about us. It's not about us. It's not about it's the about, It's about, and, and, and he mm -hmm. does that on purpose mm -hmm. because he wants people to see him. Exactly. And to, to know that it's him and it's not a man. Right, It's exactly. not some supernatural gift that a man has to mm -hmm. carry it, but it can be carried by all whose hearts are yielded. Exactly, exactly. So with John the Baptist and of course with Jesus, Jesus preaching the same message, repent, the kingdom is at hand. Yeah. And we do see an explosion of signs and wonders with yeah. Jesus. Um, and then he empowers his disciples mm -hmm. to do it. And so that's, I think, another important element of revival is you've got, you've got a not only a power manifestation through a particular person, but an empowering of other people. Well, and, and, mm -hmm. the, and the ability to impart. Exactly. Let me pray for you and impart, impart this to right. you so that you now can go and do the same thing. I think uh, something that's very key with uh, revival, especially the one that is coming soon, mm -hmm. um, and, and this awakening, this third great awakening that is upon us, is the ability to to say we can't hold this within one place. Right. It actually has to go out right. and it has to be multiplied throughout the entire earth. Exactly, exactly. Historic revivals have have a common thread in there is is a focus on missions and evangelism. Yeah. It's just we can't just keep this to ourselves. Um, we've got to take it out. Yeah, and so the Acts Church, that's really what they saw. They saw a tremendous multiplication because of the power of God, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of fire that came right, upon them. Right, And Jesus said it was to make you witnesses mm -hmm. <laughs> to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. So he's saying it's not just about the acts to, yeah, we're talking in tongues, we're really feeling the Lord, feeling we look like we're intoxicated because how the presence of God is manifesting. It was, no, it was unto souls coming into the kingdom and disciple the discipling of the nations. Right. Um, and so, um, so we see power manifestations in the book of Acts. Acts 19, you see a revival happening at Ephesus. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is, this is one of my favorite ones because you got people publicly confessing sin. So test the power of testimony. Yeah. We see that, and that's, that's just such a common theme in, in historic revivals. People get up, they share testimony. I've got a testimony about Jesus. Well, and I love Paul. You know, Paul's in prison, yeah. but, but the beauty of that is he gets taken before kings. Exactly. He gets taken exactly. before um, the officials right. that were, you know, the head guys of that day. Um, and he says to them, here's what happened to me. Exactly. And so, and it's, so they're publicly confessing sin. They're publicly burning books of witchcraft. They had been, I mean, all kinds of sorcery witchcraft was going on in Ephesus. And they just, they voluntarily got rid of it. Yeah. And so a, a huge conviction. 
of sin was happening there um, and, uh, and a turning of their hearts. Now they mind. also, but they didn't leave it at just, hey, um, everybody's getting filled, you know, the Holy Spirit is breaking out. But in Acts 2.42, there was a practical application of how they then Absolutely. came together and began to live. So they began to live in a different way yeah. because it wasn't just about, hey, we're gonna go back into the Judeo system, uh, the Jewish system, but we've mm -hmm. now come out and mm -hmm. we, there's now a different way, which is the way of the kingdom. Right, they were coming out of the traditions of men that the mm -hmm. Pharisees had set up. Um, and so it was, um, that was keeping people from actually <laughs> turning their hearts to God. Um, but um, they, they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching Mm -hmm. So teaching was 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 important. As now, when you mm -hmm. say the apostles' teaching, mm -hmm. let's talk about that for mm -hmm. a minute because there wasn't a New Testament. Right. So right. when you say the apostles' teaching, it's really about the revelation of Christ in the Old Testament. So they were getting new uh, revelation and wisdom from heaven that could apply to the scriptures of old. Is right. that true? I think I think I would qualify that to say you know Jesus. Throughout Jesus' whole ministry, he's quoting the Old Testament, saying, this is how it's about me. Mm -hmm. After he rose from the dead, you know, he's walking on the road to Emmaus, and he's explaining the scriptures to them about how the Messiah would suffer, die, and rise again on the third day. You know, and so he's opening their eyes. And then for 50 days before Pentecost, he's teaching them the kingdom. So, so, so that in the revelation of that, it just solidifies mm -hmm. that he, he is the Messiah yes, and he that has, they've been waiting for. Exactly, exactly. And so they've heard this teaching of Jesus. Jesus says this in Matthew 28, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. So what the apostles wanted to do is under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and, and the, Jesus said the Holy Spirit's gonna remind you of what right. I said. So they the need the Holy Spirit. The it wasn't just their own natural memory. It was right. like, oh yeah, Jesus said this about that. And there were That's instances. why they all said, these are these ignorant fishermen, but yet exactly, listen to the exactly. wisdom. And even Paul, he as an apostle, there were certain pastoral issues that come up in his letters where it's clear he had to kind of go and say, you know, hey, you asked me about this. Here's what the Lord says. Yeah. Or here's, the Lord doesn't necessarily say this, but here's what I think. Right. And so he, he had a real reliance on the, the Holy Spirit to teach him um, how to. So the apostles teaching, the breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer, and um, that that was necessary to sustain what God was outpouring. Now, when they say in Acts two forty two, when they say the breaking of bread, are they talking about eating, or are they talking about communion? Right. I I think it's primarily a reference to the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a common interpretation throughout church history, is that by the breaking of bread, um, you know, when Jesus rose again before he ascended, they couldn't recognize him, but it was in that moment of breaking of bread. And I think they remembered that last supper where he broke the bread and said, this is my body, which is given for you. So, so communion, yeah, the Lord's Supper, I think, is very it's really good. Mm -hmm. All right, real quickly, as we kind of tie this, this um, first part of revival up, tell me about some of the constants in revival. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What, what do we mm -hmm. always see with revival? Right, right. So with revival, we have some constants and we have some variables, things that typically some common threads typically always happen and then some things that kind of are different mm -hmm. depending on what the lord's doing that particular so some consciences you have a real turning to prayer a crying out to god um, you have a um, and, and we see this in the old testament you see psalms written revive us O lord <laughs> they see the state of israel and the holy spirit has stirred somebody 
to cry out for God to, to intervene. Um, and so we see that in, in revivals. We so see, really mm -hmm. it's initiated through prayer. Right. Through a desperation of people saying, I'm, I, I can't stay the way I am. It's, I've got to have you. Yes, exactly. We mm -hmm. see a common thread of the, the presence of God, the immediate presence. And so God's, he's everywhere, but a sense of his presence, a sense of that can result in the joy of the Lord, conviction of sin, um, things like that. It's, but but the, the, the atmosphere of the presence of God um, is, is very manifest. Um, so that's, that's, that's a common thread as well. Um, I, would, I would add to that um, worship that it's, I mean, you look at even recent revivals, um, um, just praise and worship was a big part. I love watching just old videos of A.A. Allen and his meetings. You know, oh, I mean, it is hilarious. Oh, man, they're on YouTube. I mean, it's from like the 40s and 50s, uh -huh. all black and white. And they sing the same and song. And they sing the same song. And they, you know, he's got someone coming up sharing a testimony. He, he's healing people in front of everybody. He's got someone demonized. He's like, I'm going to cast this demon out in front of everybody. And then they, the choir is going in the back. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, <laughs> they break out into worship. And so, and you, and you just, you see that. Um, and you saw it in, in, in the book of Acts. They met, they met regularly in the temple yeah. for prayer and worship and they went house to house. Yeah. Um, so that's an important, those are some important themes and threads. And, and, and just again, of souls coming to God. And, and an unusual sense of the presence of God. I mean, the presence of God in these revivals are so powerful mm -hmm. that when God shows up, it's, it, it's overwhelming. It, it, yes, and, absolutely. And sometimes you can't even stand under the weight of it. Right, 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 right. The glory of God is so heavy on mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. that it, and, and it causes you to, to really just be on your face. Right, right. And so that's um, something kind of takes us into some variables. There's some types of physical manifestations that happen, mm -hmm. you know, in, in response to the presence of God. So the presence of God is powerful. It's showing up. Um, sometimes people are falling down. Sometimes mm -hmm. people are um, shaking. shaking, weeping, um, um, crying, crying, out. crying out to God. I mean, I, uh, uh, I was actually watching a, a Derek Prince video the other day. I love that guy on, on authority to cast out demons, you know, and he's just going through taking authority and, and driving demons out of people in a big crowd and you hear people, <laughs> some people are falling. <laughs> and I mean, it's just, it's kind of wild. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of thing can happen. And it's different in different, in different revivals. And that can be, that can offend people. Some people have shut down and said, no, this is not God because of the type of manifestation, which is exactly what we saw in Acts 2. Yeah. In Acts 2, the tongues was, was a primary manifestation that was happening right. when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And they presumed mm. that they were drunk. Exactly. They said, you're drunk, you're out of your mind, right. you're getting excessive here. Right, um, and, and with the Great Awakening, they were accused of emotionalism. Emotionalism, enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Which, which is a good word today, but it was, a, it was, a bad, it was not good to be an enthusiast back they then. They were being was, charismatic. You were, yeah, you, you were wild, uncontrolled, and unrestrained. Right. Um, and then um, another variable is the types of, of gifts and signs that happen. So again, mm -hmm. Acts 2, tongues um, was, was a big thing. Pentecost, Azusa Street, tongues was highlighted. But before Azusa Street, you had healing revivals breaking out, where yeah. healing was the emphasis. In the First Great Awakening, um, salvation and conviction of sin was the yeah. primary thing. You didn't, not a lot of records of people getting physically healed, um, but the Holy Spirit was moving powerfully. You did have people shaking and falling down and crying out. And, and, um, and, the, and the byproduct of all of that 
was mass salvations. Right. And exactly. and 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 people were getting saved. People were getting right with God. Right, people right, were right. coming into Luke their right warm minds. People getting their hearts burning for. And they for God knew again. that they mm -hmm. knew that this was the way. And it and it had a generational transfer. I mean, you not only saw the people of that generation, but their children right, were also right. walking in the intensity of that and the and the. Um, and being focused on it right, right. for their lives. Right, for First Great Awakening, there were some that started to die out, but it's a, a strain carried that I think uh, was an impetus for the for the Second Great Awakening. Um, well, okay, we're gonna end it there, mm -hmm. and, and um, in our next um, second part of this series, we're gonna talk about really what some of the hindrances are to revival, mm -hmm. and some of the things to not do um, versus some of the things to do. So we want to, we all want to make ourselves, we want to create a target for the Holy Spirit to fall. And, and so we really have to know what to, to do, but also what not to do. Right. So join us on the second part of this series on revival. Um, and it will be available on the next podcast. We bless you and we thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Fearless Podcast. If you love the show, help us grow by leaving a five-star review and hitting that subscribe button. Follow at Tracy Eckert on Instagram to stay in touch with us. And don't forget to head over to TracyEckert.com to check out Tracy's books, merch, and her Fearless Mentorship Program. Thank you again. We appreciate you and we'll see you next time on Fearless.